everybody had an ocean across the USA. Then everybody be serving like California. You'd see them wearing their baggies, where Archie Sandals too. A bushy, bushy blonde hairdo serving USA. You'll catch them serving at Delhi, Ventura County line. Teacher, we're serving, serving USA. And anger bees and inside, outside, USA. Pacific Palisade, inside, outside, USA. Santa Dolphin, inside, outside, USA. Redondo Beach, LA, inside, outside, USA. All over the whole, inside, outside, USA. Hawaii, Bay, inside, outside. Everybody's gone serving, serving USA. Everybody's gonna serve Serving USA Yeah, everybody's gonna serve Serving USA Yeah, everybody's gonna serve Serving USA Hello, and welcome back to the Boochcast. During the break, we played the song Surfing USA by the Beach Boys. Uh, and of course, we picked this song because the pay per view we're going to be reviewing uh, is WCW Bash the Beach 1995, which I'm going to be honest, this is going to be a tough one to recap because I'm hearing a lot of truck noises in the background. And I'm pretty sure Gator has me on Bluetooth, so he's probably at the delay of me coming in. So No, there is not a delay of you coming in. You're on the phone. Because sometimes I talk and then I can hear me talking. I don't know why I'm in Oh, wait a minute. You're on Bluetooth. Yes. Okay, you're off the Bluetooth. Thank you. You are off the Bluetooth. Okay, so hello, children. This is Gator. I, I'm on the way to go to go wrestle. Yes, and uh, Gator is in the car, and we are off to. He's off to a meet and greet uh, right now before the match. Which yes. Which side note? Uh, let us let us talk, children. Let us talk. Sure. Um, let us talk, Mr. Bujarelli. Why am I as the heel got to be at the meet and greet? I assume because kayfabe is dead. Well, I understand that, Mr. Budrilla, but why I got to be at the meet and greet as the heel? I, I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. I mean... Oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to kill kayfabe. I'm going to get my heat. I'm going to MJF these motherfuckers. 
<laughs> oh, God. Well, you know what? The promoter deserves it for making you do a meet and greet when go, you're the heel. Go do a meet and greet. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, it's one thing if you're like a star from like a big company and you're a heel. I could see bringing them to the meet and greet, but... Yes, yeah, I'm not a star from a big company. I'm just Gator. I know that. That's what I'm saying. It makes no, that makes no goddamn sense. It makes zero yeah. sense. And so now Gator's doing this from inside the truck. So I apologize in advance if there is any issue with audio or anything like that. We're making do with what we got, ladies and gentlemen. This is sometimes in the business. We got to turn chicken shit into chicken salad. And that's what we're doing here. We are taking shit and making shinola. And so right now we have to make this shit work. So basically what we're doing right now is WCW Bash at the Beach 1995. Now, for those who don't know, here's how this segment works. Um, this is a classic pay-per-view review that is done by myself and Gator Ricky Ross. Uh, what we do is take a look at classic pay-per-views from WCW, WWE, and ECW, and we do it from the perspective of two individuals who are not only wrestling fans, but also work in the wrestling business. Gator Ricky Ross is a wrestler, a manager, a he's been a commentator, a ring announcer, referee, he's popped the popcorn, sold pizza, he pretty much got the industry covered. Me personally, I have been, I am a ring announcer, a commentator, I have hung up posters, I have worked in the, I've worked in the office, I have uh, chauffeured wrestlers to and from the venue, I've helped set up the ring, I pretty much got the industry covered too. And we try to use our minds uh, from, like I said, from back then and today to give a perspective on the business. Now, as I mentioned before, we're taking a look at Bash of the Beach 1995. This took place at Huntington Beach, California, and it was actually on the beach, and the attendance uh, was 9,500 people were there, and the tagline was called, An Event So Hot They Had to Put It on the Beach. Now, me personally, let me just say this. One thing I found the most interesting was the fact that, you know, this took place on the beach. And my personal opinion, I felt like every Bash the Beach should have been on the beach every year. Uh, I, I can agree with that. Just like uh, SummerSlam should only happen in the summer. Well, yes. It ha well, it's in August, so it does. Yeah, but it should only happen in the summer, Mr. Bujarelli. Exactly. But I'm just saying that, kind of like how every year with Row Wild, they would go to Sturgis... I yeah. wish they made the, the Huntington Beach, California, the annual Bash at the Beach spot and put it on the beach. Yeah, that'd be it, cool. It would have made it a lot different um, and a lot more fun and exciting. So, of course, we have um, and of course we have all of our uh, usual people there for commentators, interviews, uh, ring announcing and referees and things of that nature. Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, always there. I think Eric Bischoff even made a few appearances on commentary. Um, By the way, folks, Bobby Heenan was, was slashed when he did this commentary. Oh, I could tell. So let us, let us, let us take a moment and remember Bobby Heenan was drunk as a motherfucker. Yeah, and of course we have Gene Oakland doing the interviews and David Penzer, David Penzer and Michael Buffer doing the ring announcing. And we had only two referees for this show, and that was Randy Anderson and Nick Patrick. Yes, Pee Wee Anderson. Yes, exactly. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to kick things off here with the first official match of this entire event. For the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship, Sting defends the title against Meng with Colonel Robert Parker. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Um, are we going to talk about the obvious thing here? Uh, sure, you start it off. Their names rhyme. Yeah, staying in Maine. I like that. Hey! Other 
other than that, it was shit. Really? Yeah, I didn't really like this because it just, I mean, it smashed Sting over, but that was about as far as it did. He, Ming was a mid-card heel at best. Yeah, this match consisted mostly of strikes and tie-ups. Yes. Now, I'm not going to tell that to Ming's face, but... Uh, oh, oh, no, because that's fucking retarded. Yeah, yeah. That's stupid. Exactly. We're gonna do it. We're, we're gonna do it on a podcast where it's safe. Yes. Yes. Let's not do that to his face. Cause this is the guy that killed the guy with, you know, his thumb. Yeah. Man hits a brainbuster, and at one point, uh, Tony called it a brainbuster, and I want to get your take on this. Was that an actual brainbuster, or was Tony saying that to cover up a botch? I couldn't tell. He's covering up a botch. Yeah, it looked like that when I saw the suplex. I'm like, is that a real brainbuster, or did Man fuck that up? He fucked it up. That he his rotation was a little weird. Yeah, and then at one point I saw him. I saw Meng use a take a page out of Junkyard Dogs playbook when he did the headbutt on all fours. I like that. You did? I've always, I've yeah, I've always thought that was that was interesting. Yeah, and it makes a guy look like a hell of a savage. Oh yeah, and I, and I and I guess since Junkyard Dog wasn't really wrestling for them anymore, it was okay to use the move. Um, yeah, it was okay. Um, it was okay to use it. Uh, hell, I use it. Yeah, and then there was one point in the match. Uh, he hooked a, a one arm crab, but he hooked both legs with one arm. Yes, I thought that was fucking cool. That was cool. Uh, you don't see a lot of that. That's old school shit. You don't see a lot of that shit no more. Yeah, and then um, and then of course uh, Sting was being dominated for most of the match. Then he finally hits a back suplex, starts making his comeback, and he hits a. Fan- Ming can work. Let's just throw this out there. Granted, he's a brawler, but Ming can work. Oh, we can, yeah, absolutely. Both these guys can work. They're phenomenal. Um, and then of course Sting hits a Frankensteiner at one point. I was like, whoa, I didn't know he could fucking do that. Right. Yeah, or I forgot he could do that. I should say. What, Ming hitting a Frankensteiner? No, Sting. Oh, oh, yes, Sting is built that well. Yeah, yeah, Ming didn't hit a Frankensteiner. Sting did. The Stinger. Uh, and then, um, and then of course, Sting wins with a roll-up, gets the victory, keeps the U.S. title, and everything's cool there. And um, now, there were some other aspects of the pay-per-view I, wanted, I, want, I really want to cover, but we'll get to that uh, later. So, for now, we're going to move on to the next, oh, God, match of the evening. And Are you calling it that? I'm scared, ladies and gentlemen, Um, because the last time this man was brought up, all hell broke loose on the show, so I'm scared, Uh, but this is a match for the WCW World Television Championship, the Renegade defense title with Jimmy Hart against Paul Orndorff. Um, Children, this is the time to be really scared. Listen to your Uncle Gator now, okay? Listen, are you listening to your Uncle Gator? They're listening. They're listening. Okay. We're stealing motherfucking gimmicks. <laughs> okay. This is not okay. This bootleg warrior they got from Wish. <laughs> what the fuck was this? He couldn't even fucking work. Oh, my God. He couldn't even work, children. He couldn't even work. Paul had to work around him. Well, I guess that's why they put him with Mr. Wonderful, because he knew he could work around that. Yes, and the only thing I can do is sing his theme song. Wonderful. They call him Mr. Wonderful. Yes. Because they know that he's wonderful. Yes, they do. And, of course, Paul Yankovic saved that fucking match. But, yeah, he stole in the fucking game. Look, okay, can we just... Can we just... Not steal gimmicks. Is that okay? Is that alright? That'd be like me running around going, Hey y'all, I'm Gator Ricky Ross, the golden voice of WWE. Look, slobber knocker titties. Yay! I'm Gator the King Lawler. 
Puppies! Motherfucker. I'm Vincent Kennedy Bucci, damn it. Oh, God. That's good shit. Oh, God. Ah, nobody cares about the fucking World Television Championship. Oh, God. Okay. All right. All right. We're going to, um... Oh. Well, anyway, so Paul yanks Renegade down after he does all the running around trying to be the warrior. And then, as a result, Paul dominates for a brief period before he gets distracted by Jimmy Hart. And then Renegade gets the upper hands. He knocks Paul out of the ring and onto the mat. And he rolls out onto the sand. Oh. That didn't look pretty. Oh. And then, of course, Renegade does a lot of warrior-type moves, aside from the attempted dropkick. Because I don't remember Warrior ever doing a dropkick. Did the Ultimate Warrior do a dropkick? If he did, I don't remember it. Um, and there's, and then, and then of course, Paul, Mr. Wonderful does a great heel move where he chucks sand into the eyes of the renegade. I thought that was a great heel moment. Yes, let me just say something. Nobody else thought about that. They're on a beach. Uh, let me see. With the way some of these matches, I don't know. Not a lot of matches went out to the floor, though. So right, but nobody else thought about it, and all I'm thinking is, is God damn, you know, you, you know, that was smart. It was smart, but I'm just saying, outside, I don't, I, I'm looking at all these other matches, and to my knowledge, if I remember correctly, not not a lot of them went out to the floor though. So that's why the sand spot wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying the spent the sand spot. I love it. I did too. Uh, and of course, Paul had the drop kick of his own. It actually looks better than the Renegades. And then, of course, Renegade hits a back suplex that turns into a pin, and he gets the one, two, three, and the Renegade retains the title. Um, yes. Paul had his oh, shoulder up. Oh, goddamn motherfucking stealing goddamn gimmicks. Jesus Christ. And, of course, Paul had his shoulder up, and Nick Patrick didn't see it. Paul snaps hits a pile driver on the Renegade. Renegade immediately gets to his feet, climbs the top rope. Once Paul yes, turns around. Yes, because psychology, children. He's like the real warrior. Why I got us now? <laughs> Once Paul turns around, Renegade does a splash off the top rope. God damn it. Why I gotta sell? Oh, that ain't that ain't good pussy, man. You sure it's not? Well, you're not telling me it's good pussy. Goddamn sell the pussy. Yes. <laughs> yes, and the match was 6 minutes and 12 seconds. How do you please a woman? Anyway, so on that note, we're going to move on, ladies and gentlemen, to the next match of the evening. Um, we have Kamala with the Taskmaster versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. This was the piss break. It was. This was the piss break. Most definitely the piss break. And, of course, Jim Duggan hits multiple clotheslines. Only one takes Kamala down. Uh, Jim Duggan walks around the ring, constantly getting the fans to chant USA, which actually makes fucking sense in this go-around. Um, yes, because because here's the thing, children. We're in the beach. Yeah. And Kevin Sullivan screams Hulkamaniac, and Kamala turns into a maniac, chopping, headbutting, and choking Hacksaw, which I thought was weird. I dug it. <laughs> like anytime Kevin Sullivan mentioned Hogan like Kamala loses his fucking mind I still dug it Yep, and it was a great match in the end Kamala went, Kamala gets the win and I think I can speak for everyone when I say this is the only Kamala victory we could ever truly get behind and Uganda forever yes and on that note we move on to the next match of the evening we have Diamond Dallas Page with the Diamond Doll and Max Muscle versus Dave Sullivan Dave Sullivan attacks DDP the second he gets in the ring. He's mad that DDP yelled the Diamond Doll and slapped him around with the flowers. <laughs> that was the best fucking spot. What the fuck? I love that spot. This was an interesting storytelling here because Dave dominates most of the match and he keeps apologizing to Diamond Doll every time he inflicts pain on DDP. <laughs> I love it. You don't like it? I love it. It's 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 great comedy wrestling. It's comedy wrestling done right. Done correctly. Done not correctly. Just, 
Not shitty. Exactly. And of course, Day gets attracted by Max, Mu Max Muscle. DDP takes advantage by hitting him with a cheap shot, nailing the diamond cutter, gets the victory in 4 minutes and 23 seconds. Diamond Dallas Page wins the match. Correct. So, and this was this was okay. I mean, it, it wasn't like, like oh, you know, hey. But it, it worked out. It was It was something different. Yeah, it was different. It was exciting. It got and there was no stealing gimmicks. No, no, there wasn't. Goddamn motherfucking stealing mother. Mm. Okay, breathe, breathe, Gator. Vince, would you really have the heart palpitations? Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe, the, breathe out. I'm having the heart palpitations. Well, hopefully, they'll hopefully it'll go away with this next match. Although Jesus I may, Christ. although I may have some too, because what the fuck? Um, in a triple threat match for the WCW World Tag Team Championship, Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry defend the titles against the Nasty Boys. And the Blue Bloods. Yeah. Where do I fucking begin? A coin toss? Yeah. Determines which teams will start the match. Now, Gator, you and I tend to both have good insight into these matches, correct? Somebody was on drugs when they... That Jim, I blame Jim Hurd. Was Jim Hurd still in charge at this time? I, I don't know, but I mean, well, uh, the only other thing is uh, Russo. Russo didn't come in until 99. Okay. Yes, but you can still blame... It's shitty booking. We blame Russo. <laughs> all I want to say is this though um yeah first of all I'm watching these guys do this coin toss I can't hear anyone calling heads or tails or anything can you no 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 it's like oh we're gonna do a coin toss here we're gonna do a coin toss here I mean I like the fact they did the coin toss in the ring because I hate when they do it backstage like with war games and shit uh but yeah and then you're just like oh they didn't do no coin toss you didn't toss a coin and also here's the other thing if you're going to do a coin toss in the ring, be, ha, hopefully have something planned in advance for if you lose the coin toss. You got to have a plan A, plan B, plan C in that scenario. So that was fucking stupid. Took up a lot of time. Although I will say this. I loved the pep talk from Sherry to, to the Harlem Heat. I love that spot. Yeah. Uh, okay. I. Because I, uh, to I'm me, that's what a manager should fucking do. I can get with you on that one. You give the pep talk. It's kind of like in boxing when the box is in the corner and the manager comes out and starts talking to you before the next round. I like that. I That's what a manager on. does. I can get with you on that one. Yeah. Um, Trying to let him know, hey, the titles come home. Stay focused. All that. Love that spot from Sherry. And then, of course, the ref takes the belts and uh, doesn't hold up the belts for the crowd to see. Just takes them and walks away. Yeah, so, that was weird because, you know, normally it's the spectacle of it. You know, the spectacle. The spectacle. Yes. I am very big on the spectacle, okay? Because we're supposed to treat this like it's a real fight. And in a real fight, reps hold titles up, dumbass. Ow, down, down. It's the fucking refs. <laughs> down, Vinny. Down, Vinny. Hey, you had your stealing gimmicks moment. I get mine. Well, I, I know, but you're always <laughs> Yes, because I'm like, Jesus Christ. Some of these refs are really fucking dumb. Like, where did you hire these guys? So anyway, the Nasty Boys and Harlem Heat end up starting the match. As I mentioned before, the coin toss looks stupid and pointless. Um, really, honestly, it kind of is. And the match starts off as a clusterfuck. Regal jumps the gun, ends up getting a, a pit stop, which is a move that the Nasty Boys do where they grab a guy and slam into each other's armpits. Not going to lie, I like that spot. If you're going to be the Nasty Boys, do something that looks nasty. It fits the gimmick, I think. I Well, yeah. So then, um, we get to the point where eventually shit gets organized, and Booker T and Brian Nobbs get it going. Regal blind tosses himself in, goes to work on Booker T. Sherry decked Robert Eaton. 
not real happy about that. Yeah, that was weird. Because I'm like, why? But at this point, Bobby was just there to get a paycheck anyway, so. Yeah, so the match, as we mentioned before, the match was a close fuck. In fact, the only time I'd ever see a tag match where someone could get tagged in that isn't a partner and commentators actually say, why would you tag someone who's not your partner? I don't want them to win the match. Thank well, you. you. Someone he... finally brought that shit up. Hold on. You know why? Because here's why. This and this and Jr. was good for this. Well, you see, I tagged the other guy in, so I get a break. But now my partner's not in there and and has the possibility of losing. But on the same flip side, you know, we're not winning either. Okay. Well, Jim Ross is good at explaining that. And yes, we we talked before about. Uh, Bobby Heenan being slashed during this um, pay-per-view, right? Because he's not even trying to call this match. Bobby Heenan, halfway through this match, this match was such a clusterfuck that one that they arguably the greatest manager of all time and one of the greatest color commentators of all time said, fuck it, fuck it. <laughs> Tony Schiavone had to carry the commentary because Bobby Heenan was like, I'm fucking done. I'm done. Tony's at least trying. Like, Tony Schiavone deserved a pay raise after this. He at least tried. He fucking tried to call this shit. Bobby Heenan's like, I'm not even going to look at this match. I'm going to stare at the girls on the beach. Call me when it's Randy and Flair. Oh, God. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Fuck. Bobby Heenan was just like, I'm not. Bobby didn't even try. I will say the Blue Bloods actually worked together as a team. Which I thought was Somewhat, great. but it's Bobby Eaton, so you know Bobby Eaton's going to do what he's got to do. Yes. The best damn tag team wrestler there ever was. Yes, and here's the thing. Uh, that's what you need to know. The odd team out is the one that brings order to the whole fucking thing. Keep that in mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, of course, I love the argument between Tony and Bobby when Bobby fucks up the commentary. <laughs> He's like you can't. He's like he can't beat a nasty boy to win the title. Yes, he can. Stupid. Easy there, Vinny. Easy. E bring it down. Jesus Christ, Bobby. Wait till the after party. God damn it. Do not <laughs> drink on the job. Or. But, oh my God. We could drink on the job. Not if you can't hold your alcohol, which clearly Bobby can't. Fuck. And then of course he's like, oh, you would have if you listened to me. It's like you're not even paying attention. And then. And then, of course, Jerry said, and, and then here's the other thing that, that bothered me about the finish. Oh, the finish. Now I'm having hard palpitations. And Gator, oh. this, this is where I'm going to need you to jump in on this because I need to know whether or not. I'm, I I'm, letting, I'm letting you just, I'm letting you just kind of roll this one, but go ahead. All right. Jerry Sags. Oh, God. Sits on Regal. Oh, God. Booker T was also on Regal. So they got the pin. But in the replay, I can see clear as day, Jerry Sags is sitting on Booker T's face. How do I know this? Because when Jerry sits down, Booker T is kicking his feet. No one does that unless you can't breathe, motherfucker. During a three count. I'm not in this. The Nasty Boys should have walked out with the tag team titles. They should have. Plus, Booker was laying there, and the ref couldn't make the count because the Nasty Boys had to get their shit in. <laughs> Clusterfuck, are you shitting me? Down, Booty, down. Jesus Christ, God in heaven. <laughs> and they're supposed to be veterans, for Christ's sake. Jesus. <laughs> What? Just what? <laughs> Who? St tell me someone got their ass chewed out during this. Oh my god, yes. I mean, 
I mean, technically, I mean, I mean, maybe Jerry did. I don't know. He was sitting on Booker T's face. I don't know if at one point his mouth was moving up and down. He couldn't breathe. So maybe Jerry got his ass chewed out, literally. But outside of that, I don't know what the fuck else happened. But seriously, oh it's a clusterfuck from hell. A clusterfuck oh from hell. Jesus. You about summed it up. It's like, no one. It's like, this shouldn't even be called a It's like two words to describe this match. Fuck it. The wrestlers were like, fuck it. The commentators were, fuck it. The ref, fuck it. I'm hot. It's, oh, it's too hot out. I can't think straight. I'm just going to fucking whatever. <laughs> God damn it. I'm, I'm just, I'm letting you just kind of lose it. Jesus Christ. Down boy. It's like, especially when you said, like, Gator just said, Rob, Robert Eaton, Bobby Eaton, arguably one of the best tag team wrestlers ever. I think Our... he's the only one that didn't fuck up. Well, it's Bobby Eaton. But but then again, I'm biased toward uh, that particular gentleman, and you know why. I'm saying, yeah, I'm just saying, Harlem Heat's supposed to be one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Were they still like a new? Were they still green at this time? <laughs> the Nasty Boys were they? No, what? Well, fuck no. Fuck no, exactly. So either so either the Harlem did Harlem Heat fuck this up? Who who was fucking up? And then you got and of course we're supposed to have the guy who is a man, but not a smart man in this match. Cause he fucked up completely. <laughs> Jesus, Jimmy Christ! <sighs> Jesus, kill me! I'm not, I'm I can't take it. I, I, Thirteen minutes and eight seconds of my life, I could never fucking get back. Oh my god, bitch! Jesus Christ! In fact, I'll, I'm, I'm, here's, here's the biggest insult. You ready for Gator to really laugh his ass off? Here it is. I've seen AEW matches more organized than this. Wow. Mic drop. I said it. Wow. 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 I said it. Yeah, I said it. God damn. Wow. I don't even know how to feel about that statement. Um, But he's not wrong. God damn. All right. Now that I got that out of my system, we can move on to the next match now where we actually have people who know what the fuck they're doing. So... We move on to the next match of the evening, which was a lifeguard match, uh, which was basically a lumberjack match with a bunch of guys surrounding the ring, and they had some lifeguards sitting up there, from mostly from the cast of Baywatch. Now they uh, well, they has fight. Yes, and the stipulation was created for two reasons, and this is a key thing people need to understand. Number one, they're at an actual beach for this pay per view. So it makes sense to have lifeguards. But also, and another thing people need to remember, for those of you who might not have watched, uh, Gator, you ever seen Baywatch? Pamela Anderson! Yes. Yeah, are you familiar with the show? You, like, you've seen it? Pamela Anderson! Well, what some people may not know is this particular match was filmed for an episode of Baywatch. Yes, that one and the cage match. And the cage match to follow. But So because of that, they had the Baywatch people. So it's also being filmed for an episode of Baywatch. And, Pamela Anderson! And of course... Uh, Macho Man cuts his promo where Slim Jim was mentioned in the promo because Slim Jim sponsored the pay-per-view. And Macho because Man... Because Pamela Anderson! Yes. And Macho Man is the endorser for Slim Jim. And a lot of people don't... Some people may not know this, but did you know that Slim Jim was a major reason why Eric Bischoff wanted to sign Randy Savage? Yes. Because, it, because he just wanted the money. Yeah. And he said the sponsorship from Slim Jim was so high, it covered Randy's pay. It did. Like, that's did. how much money they got in sponsorship deal from Slim Jim was he could use a good chunk of that money paid off Randy Savage. So, technically, Turner Broadcasting never paid Randy Savage. Slim Jim paid Randy Savage. 
Because why the fuck not? It's smart business. I don't care what anybody says. That's smart business. I mean, Gator, we Gator, as, as two guys who work in indie wrestling and understand the importance of sponsors for a show, that's smart business, right? Correct. I'm not mad about it. Yeah. I'm not mad about it at all, actually. I'm kind of like, what the fuck? So, so we have... <laughs> I mean, right... it's one way to do it. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, in this lifeguard match, we have the Macho Man Randy Savage versus the Nature Boy Ric Flair. So... Vinny, are you going to say it or do I need to? I've ranted enough. You can go. What was the point of the lifeguards again? They're on a beach and it's Because they just, I mean, I get it, but they just kind of were there. There was no like, hey, we're here. Ta-da. Yes. They didn't really play into no effect. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. They were basically just there to look good on the Baywatch show. I mean, you want to get as many people. It, it got exposure and that's all it got was exposure. It did. Yeah. So for them to get that kind of exposure, it worked out. Yes, and that's did. all that was. It was how many of my guys can I get on here even at one point even to give them exposure? Yeah, and it worked. Um, and I like this match because this match was basically a fight because it was personal for Rick attacking his father. Correct. Angelo Papa, who with all due respect should always wear a shirt. <laughs> God always damn it. wear a shirt. Just saying. God damn it. <laughs> not... What the fuck? That was, no. I'm sure at one point, he was a good-looking guy. Not that age. But anyway, um, so Lumberjacks, uh, at one point, they fought over grabbing Flair, which allowed Ray to take advantage. God damn it. And then, of course, Bobby Heenan is- I'm, I'm so fucking mad that you made that, that statement. <laughs> Why are you mad? What, what did I do? Because, it, because it's so accurate. All right. Yes. Uh, and, of course, Bobby Heenan is a perv with the lifeguards, which I enjoy. Because that's entertainment, you know. And, of course, every time Randy gets knocked out of the oh ring. Oh, my God. Are you done? No, that's great. I, I want to finish talking about the match, though. Go ahead. Talk about the match, bitch. Thank you. So every time Randy gets knocked out of the ring, the babyface tried to get him back in fast while also backing down Arn Anderson, which I thought was great. Because you could tell Arn wanted to get involved. Uh, he did. And it was – it was. Uh, how do I say this nicely in a way, in a way that people are going to understand this without being too – technical um it worked for what it was does that make sense yes it worked for what it was but it wasn't much more than what it was exactly and then of course randy savage reverses suplex on flair sending him over the top rope and bobby says that's a dq but tony says it wasn't a deliberate throw over the top rope so it didn't count which i liked they covered their ass on that just barely yes and then um after that there's basic wrestling done Flair uses yeah. Flair uses sleeper hold, which is rare. I don't see you don't see Ric Flair use a sleeper hold often. No, you don't. Which was which was kind of cool. So it was like, okay, that that'll work. Yeah, and I feel like the only reason he can use it is because Piper isn't there. Yes, if Piper had been there, he wouldn't. He never would have done the sleep because you know it's his finisher, and out of respect, you know, you don't do. Something yeah, else. it's a respect thing. Yeah, and- you don't. That was well. That was why Andre had the problem with you know that he had yeah. with uh with his face. And then at one point, Flair blatantly throws him over the top rope. So unless this match is no disqualification, that should have ended it. Correct, but it didn't. But but it's a it's a lumberjack match, so it's like uh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> I mean, and you're just kind of like uh. <laughs> I also love that Tony puts Savage over as a tough baby face. Throughout the match. He did very well. And then Flair works the leg and then locks in the figure four. As uh, Savage is in the figure four, we cut to Angelo Poffo in the crowd to signal that this is serious and could end the match. 
So that was a good moment. Eventually, Savage gets out. He blocks the atomic drop. Never seen that before. I mean, personally. Savage sends Flair outside. Ref gets distracted. Arn Anderson hits Savage with a DDT, but he kicks out. Savage hits a double axe handle, scoop slam, drops the big elbow, gets the win. Randy Savage defeats Ric Flair. Yes, which makes you go, that'll work. Yep. 13 minutes and 56 seconds. Great match. Makes up for what we saw earlier. Very well done. Yes. And, yes. and I was. And I was happy with it. It, it Like I said, it was uh, just another way to get the big stars on. And then on that note, we're about to move on to the main event of the evening. But I got we got I to gotta address one thing real quick before we get to that. Um, before we get to the main event, Hogan oh has his promo. You mean before they has fight? Yes. And um, so now uh, at one point they're cutting the promo. And I think at one point Hogan had some spit come out of his mouth. And halfway through the promo... I know what you're talking about now, and it's, I'm just laughing, but go Roman ahead. Roman goes to... Rodman, on instant, I guess, tries to wipe Hogan's face, and Hogan looks up and goes, Take it easy, brother, and goes right back to his promo, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, I think Hogan had that look on his face like, Motherfucker, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Did you not see the look on his face? Jesus fucking Christ. All I can say is this. I didn't think about it. Like, remember when he went to wipe his face, he kind of looks and he goes, take it easy, brother, and then goes right back to his promo? Like, that's, first of all, it shows how Hogan is a professional, because he kind of shoots him a look, but gets right back into the groove. Like, he gets right back into it, and then finishes the promo. And I'm going to say this. Um, this is how I know that the incident with Hogan on tape was something he did out of rage in the heat of the moment. Because, yeah, because he's normally pretty level-headed, yeah. No, I'm going to say this. Because if the N-word is something that Hogan said uh, said fluently and easily on a regular basis, I'm pretty sure he just said it right there. Oh, yeah. Because he, he was that pissed. He was that pissed. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I, I'm like, Hogan was like, oh, like, yeah, that look on his face. It was, And then, of course, um, Mean Gene talks to Rodman, tells him about how he saw him. Uh, you know, Rodman, the last time I saw you, you were at an airport in Detroit. And Rodman says... That's the last time you'll see me in a Detroit airport. <laughs> Fucking love that. Because that's because that's where, this is around the time when Rodman signed with, I think it was the Bulls? Did he sign with the Bulls at this time? Or was it the Spurs? Uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I was just a, I wasn't even a sperm. I was a sperm in my daddy's nuts at this point. Oh, yeah. You were still an inch in your daddy's pants. That's, I, that's right. Yes, yes. I was a sperm in my daddy's nuts. Yeah, so, uh, uh, let's see. Because um, uh, um, I, I, I came a year later during this time. Oh yes, oh yeah. Actually, it was Chicago. Yeah, cause it was um, cause he played with the Pistons from '86 to '93. Then from '93 to '95, he played with the San Antonio Spurs, and then from '95 to '98, he played Chicago Bulls. So he came in during the '95-'96 uh, season. He was with the the Bulls. So I think he was signing with the Bulls this time. So anyway, on that note, we will now move on to the main event of the evening. We have a steel cage match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Hulk Hogan defends the title with Jimmy Hart against Vader. When they has fight. Huh? They has fight. End of story. They has fight. Yes. Now, I remember seeing Vader's entrance as a kid. And as a kid, I would think to myself, why the fuck did he wear that headgear thing to the ring? Drugs. What the fuck was the point? Because he threw it off half the time. Yeah. Now, of course, Hogan it was, it was his gimmick, and that's all you could you could probably. Yeah, I just always thought it was stupid. Anyway, Hogan climbs up the cage, gets into the ring, rips off his shirt on the top turnbuckle, which is great. Hogan starts off by wrapping the shirt around his neck and slamming Vader into the cage. 
Which works because it is a cage match, even yeah. though he's a babyface. And then he shoves the shirt into his mouth, does the 10 punches in the corner, then stomps on him 10 more times. Correct. I'm down with this. This is all good shit. Yep. Hits a double axe handle and then continues to take control. And then he tries to knock down Vader, but he doesn't go down. They both try to slam each other into the cage and they block it, which is standard, you know, cage match stuff. Um, so we're seeing classic cage psychology here. Correct. And if you've ever been in a cage match, you know that this is the way it works. Yes. Vader finally slams him into the cage and now takes control of the match. Hogan then puts on Vader's headgear and headbutts him with it. Yeah, that was that was an interesting way to do that. Yeah. I thought it was a great taunt. I loved it. And... I mean, it works. It works. And then Vader hits the Vader bomb. And you see Hogan bleeding a little bit from his forehead, which, as a kid, I did not notice that. As a kid, okay. I did not see the. I, I couldn't. I didn't notice. I didn't notice that little bit of blood. Now as an adult, I'm like, holy shit, he bled in this match. I didn't remember. Yeah, he did. I think it's because he didn't have a crimson mask. Is why I probably don't remember. It was just a, it was just a little cut. It wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it could have been worse. Oh, it could have been worse. Yeah. Uh, Vader hits a second Vader bomb, and Hogan kicks out. Vader suplexes him without falling backwards, just picks him up in the position and then just drops him or something. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And then he just yeah, he just lifts him up and kinda of drops him from behind. And then of course, Vader's mask comes off again, which begs the question, why the fuck are you even wearing this? Um he attempts a senton off the top rope. Hogan moved out of the way. Hogan brings the fight to Vader, goes for a slam, but they fall backwards, kind of like the Andre spot. Um, Hogan almost got pinned, and then Bobby Heenan says, I haven't seen one wrestling hold. And to which I reply, and Gator, you tell me if I if you agree or disagree, the match didn't need one. No, because it's a, state, it's a cage match. It's meant to be like that. Yeah. Crowd's already loving it. Yeah, it's meant to be like that. There's no, there's no reason that it sh that you should. Yeah, Vader splashes off the top rope. The Hogan crowd was not, the crowd was not loving it. They has fight. Yes. But <laughs> this is, not, this is not like you know just whatever. But uh, it just kind of yeah. was what it was. Yes. So Vader splashes off the top rope. Hogan kicks out and starts hulking up. The Taskmaster and Zodiac try to interfere, but Dennis Rodman backs them down with a chair. Which I thought was great. Uh, Hogan hits a leg drop, does his pose, then hits another one. Hogan decides to climb out instead of pinning him. Vader chases after him. Hogan shots Vader and punches him till he falls. Hogan then climbs out of the cage and wins the match. Now, are we going to talk about cage match psychology here? Go ahead. I like the traditional cage match where it's pin... I mean, it's escaped the cage. I, I've never been a huge pinfall cage match person, but Vinny is, so go ahead, uh, Vinny. To me, it here's the thing. It depends on the rivalry to me. Now, if you're having a match in a cage and you want that rivalry to continue, then I believe in escaping the cage. But if you want the rivalry to end, like this cage match, this is the blow-off, it's over, they're not going to fight anymore after this, that's when I want a pinfall or submission to me. Uh I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, that's that's my only stance. But uh, so anyway, after the match, Ric Flair gets in the ring and yells at Vader and for being a schmuck. Is this is this during the time when the midget blew up the boat? I can't remember. Maybe. Is this when the midget blew up the boat? Maybe. I think so. Um, but I but here's the thing. I'm looking at this and I'm wondering why the fuck this is happening. And I have a theory. I think the oh, reason this, they're doing this, this during the pay per view good. was this I think I think this was I think they did this for the Baywatch episode. I think that was I think that was strictly for the Baywatch episode, but for whatever reason, they kept it on the pay-per-view 
which was dumb. Yeah, because the Baywatch episode did not add, did not come out for another year. And at, at one point, you actually hear um, Tony and Bobby talking out of character. Yeah. They're saying, great job, brother, shaking hands, everything. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, we're still on the air? Like, you can tell they were genuinely like, wait a minute, you're still fucking rolling this? And they got to sit there and cover their ass. So I don't know why that made it to the pay-per-view. At that point, the pay-per-view should have shut down and whatever cameras were being used for Baywatch should have kept rolling to show that shit. Because in the Baywatch episode, the episode, and I, and I know, and I, it's the only episode of Baywatch I've actually watched from start to finish. Um, in the episode, Ric Flair is supposed to be a re- is retired from wrestling. but And now he basically owns real estate. He's like a real estate developer. And basically he wants to tear down the beach area and build some shit in the parking lot. In the parking lot. And they had the cage match in order to Hogan that. versus yeah, it was Hogan versus Vader. Uh, and- Vader and in the winner got the, the beach stayed because yes. Hogan was like a lifeguard or some shit. No, he wasn't. He was doing charity for the place. He, yeah, there you it go. Was, it, it was. It was. He was building a gym. There was a gym out there that he worked out at, and he let kids come in and stuff. And it was for the community. And like, there's an actual. There's an actual moment where um where Hogan and Savage at the beginning are going jet skiing, and Hogan falls off his jet ski, <laughs> but Randy doesn't see it because they're racing. So Randy keeps going. So and then of course that's when the Baywatch girls come running out, dun, dun, and, and they say dun, Hogan, dun, and, and, dun, and they dun, dun, and they and they and they get Hogan and they paddle and they grab Hogan and bring him back to shore. Yes, because it is because it is so realistic that the Baywatch bitches grab Hulk Hogan. Well, it was multiple. They had more than one. It wasn't just uh, Pamela Anderson by herself. So it's somewhat the believable. Titties. The titties, so, though. So anyway, so anyway, they're sitting there, and then at one point, you know, they bring Hogan back to life and everything, and Randy doesn't know where Hogan is. So he's looking for him, and he sees Hogan surrounded by the girls because now they're talking at this point. So, so Randy, so Randy gets mad. So Randy gets pissed off. He thinks he blew Hogan off to go hang out with babes, and they get into an argument. And he's like, and he was, he's like, hey brother, where'd you go, man? I was looking everywhere for you. I didn't think you'd cut out on me to go hang out with some babes. And Hogan's some like, babes, and then and then Hogan goes. We need to have a little talk, brother, about who cut out on who. And, he, and Randy goes, let's do it then. Like, gets, and they get all confrontational. And then Hogan walks away. Him and Savage kind of walk off. And they go have a conversation. Basically, Hogan explains to him that, yeah, dude, I fell off my freaking jet ski and was drowning in the fucking ocean. So they have that kind of, like, brother-to-brother talk. But anyway. You know that you have. That you have. When, well, yeah, when, when two wrestlers have an argument, sometimes they go out and drink about it. They, they the, do. You know, they have the adult beverage mano y mano. You know? Yes, and if somebody wants to beat somebody's ass, it does happen. Yes, and sometimes they'll have a controlled setting where they'll let them settle it. You know, they bring in like they'll have like two or three guys there in case it gets too out of hand. But anyway, and uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude this recap of WCW Bash of the Beach 1995. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Check out our YouTube channel and see all of the great video content that we have. All of it is right there. On the YouTube channel, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified 
when videos will be posted. One in particular you definitely want to check out is from Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring where we talked about the collision in Korea, especially since it was promoted heavily throughout this Bash at the Beach episode. Uh, we did in fact do uh, two separate um, pieces of content regarding the uh, collision in Korea. We did the video where we talked about the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode and all the controversy surrounding the uh, wrestlers going to Korea. And then of course here on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, we have the audio version uh, where we talk about the actual collision in Korea show itself. And the best part is, when you go to the YouTube channel, all the links in the description box will take you to the episode where we talk about the wrestling. So make sure you check out The Collision in Korea on our YouTube channel and in podcast form. Also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, July the 30th for WWE SummerSlam. Uh, we got two special events going on for that. Uh, one of them will be happening. The other will not. Uh, it'll either be myself and Buff Bagwell uh, doing a watch party from Tampa Bay. Or I'll have the Boochcast team here in Georgia doing a watch party provided they get their shit together. Also, we have our D&D show coming out later this year, as well as our Boochcast booking battle between myself and Elvis Linsky to find out who is the better booker man. Also, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at with prizes coming soon. The first level you can donate at is for 99 cents per month. This is the level we do for fans who want to help out the show but don't have a lot of money to spend. We know you guys are hardworking men and women out there. You got bills to pay and mouths to feed. And the last thing we would ever ask you guys to do is break the bank or sacrifice a payment or feel pressured and guilt-tripped into donating money to this show. If the best thing you can do is listen to the show and spread the link to everyone you know, then you are doing a great service for us. Even if you don't give us any money, just spreading the word, letting people know about the show is all we ever truly ask of you guys to do. But if you want to put in a little skin in the game, the 99 cents level is perfect for you because it's 99 cents. You're really not going to miss it, but it'll help us out a great deal because every little bit helps us grow this show and allow it to continue to thrive. And we got the second level you can donate at if you want if you got some extra spending cash and that is 4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate to, which is for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. I know ever since it got sold to the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So take that $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike the WWE, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money that we raise 
goes back into the show in some capacity. That's what we do with the money raised. We use it to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay our bills, and take care of the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they deserve to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest of the money to feed Zach Ramen Noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.